And every Sunday, because last Sunday was a Sunday I wasn't able to be with you, uh, which was a very odd thing for me. In fact, uh, it all started Friday night. Uh, we were sitting down as a, as a family for dinner, and uh, the kids said, Dad, your eye looks funny. And, uh, and I said, you know, it feels a little weird, and, uh, but I didn't think too much of it. Saturday morning I woke up and the whole side of my face was just like swollen over and I couldn't even open one of my eyes. And so I, uh, I said, I better go to the hospital. And, uh, but before I did, I called up Pastor Darren and I said, prepare a message because I don't know what's going on here. And uh, so first of all, thank you for Pastor Darren for filling in last minute. And, uh, and, and so Sunday morning uh, I called up Pastor Darren and I said, okay, you're on because there's no way I can do this. This is what I look like Sunday morning. And uh, that, that's after it's come down a little bit. Like, it was, it was bad, and it didn't hurt. But I thought, nobody's going to be able to hear a word I say if I get up here and preach. And uh, so I thought, I better just stay home. And uh, this is going to be one of my days where I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to church. And uh, that's a, that was a weird feeling, I'll be honest with you. In fact, uh, even though I knew it was for the best that I wouldn't come, there's something in me that kind of felt guilty. Uh, like, yeah, maybe I should still go and just support or what, ah, whatever. The Lord said, stay home. So that's what I did. But uh, that morning, I uh, decided, you know, it's Sunday. I want to worship God in some ways. I'm going to go for a hike. I'm going to drive up in the mountains. And I'm going to just go for a hike. And... Uh, People were looking at me like, shouldn't you be home in bed? Because, uh, but part of me wanted to look back at them. Shouldn't you be in church? Uh, uh, but um, and so here I am walking through the walking through the woods and uh, praying about things and uh, and trying to make the best of it. But having this feeling, this is not this is not the way it should be. I mean, part of me just feels like you know, I am so thankful that I get to go to church basically every Sunday. And uh, I, I think sometimes we take that for granted. Uh, that God in His blessing has given us a, a, the church. You know how hard it would be to follow Jesus if we were all on our own? In fact, I can guarantee you none of us would be. Uh, God in His blessing has given us the church not only as, as, a, as a means of a challenge, but as support. So that when we gather together, we are doing things that actually make a difference for eternity. You were created to worship God. It's the most important thing you can do is to give God glory and to give Him the worship and the praise that He deserves. When we gather together, we worship Him. We encourage one another. Even a handshake and a smile can lift this, our spirit up sometimes to be able to continue to follow the Lord. And then we open up God's Word. And the preaching of God's Word is very, very important. And I don't say that just because I'm one of the people that normally delivers the message, uh, trying to puff up my own spirit. But God's Word says that there is power when His Word is preached. How will, those, uh, how will people uh, come to faith except by the preaching of God's Word? And so we look at God's Word and it has power in, uh, for our lives. 
And so I was reminded, even as I was walking through the mountains of Hebrews 10.25, it says, Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In fact, let me read that verse uh, in full uh, because I don't remember the rest of it. Um, Just uh, give me a second. Hebrews 10.25. I should have put this on the screen. Um, uh, Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging one another. Coming together, meeting together. Many are in the, just as the, the preacher of Hebrews said, many are in the habit of uh, neglecting the meeting together, but may uh, we continue to meet together because this is important, because there is value in this, that we can encourage one another and we can hear of, uh, from God's word. And so this morning I decided we're going to back up and we're going to look at the importance of God's word in our lives. West Covina Christian Church always has and always will have a heavy emphasis on the Bible because it is God's Word and it has the power to transform our lives. God's Word is important. May we not take it for granted. We talk about blessings of of having a church. Having the Bible is a blessing because this is God's Word for our lives. And in these words there is found life. In these words, there is the power to transform our lives. I've entitled today's message, God's Word has transformative power. God's Word has the ability to do work within us to change us from the inside out. And so we're going to look at God's Word, and specifically we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus this morning. One of Jesus' primary ways of teaching was through parables. Parables are short little pithy stories that have hidden within them a a godly truth, a a truth about the kingdom of God. And part of the reason Jesus uh, taught in parables was because these stories got planted in the hearts of those who wanted to know him, and they'd be kind of like ticking time bombs. You'd hear the story, and it was memorable, and then all of a sudden, later on in the week or later on at some other point, you remember the story, and you, all of a sudden it clicks, and you're like, that's what he means! And it has message for us. So parables are valuable for those who want to hear it, but parables are also valuable. Uh, Jesus also used parables for those who did not want to hear him, to turn them away from him, who wanted just a good story to go in one ear and out the other. And so Jesus taught for parables in part to, to weed out the crowds. From, to find those who really wanted to hear him and know him and find those who were just attracted to the miracles and, and love the crowd and the good stories. And so Jesus begins, and we're going to see here in Luke chapter 8, he begins to teach the people in parables. Up until this point, he's been straight, straight, fairly straightforward. But now the crowds are starting to gather and there's starting to be larger and larger people that are following him. And uh, as he teaches, he begins to turn to parables. And so I was looking at this uh, first parable in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And I went back and I uh, did a little research. And I, and, I re- began to, and I noticed that this is the first parable in Luke. It is also the first parable in Matthew. 
And it is also the first parable in Mark. And John doesn't use, record as many parables, but in all of the Gospels, this is the first parable because it is foundational. We're looking at the parable of the, sow, of the sower, or sometimes I like it called the parable of the soils. And this truth is foundational for our Christian lives. In fact, if we don't understand this parable, we will not understand any of Jesus' teaching. It's foundational. Every Sunday that, uh, that I get up to preach, or the pa- Pastor Darren gets up to preach, we always try to be relevant. We always try to think, what's going on in my life and in the life of those in the church and in, and in our country and in the world that we live in? We try to be relevant and have application. And, uh, and so sometimes I, was, I, I try to wrestle with how does this uh, apply to our lives. And I was trying to think of, of these various ways to come at it. And it dawned on me, this message in itself is maybe the most relevant message I've ever preached Because it's Christianity 101, it's foundational. It is how do we receive the Word of God into our hearts and lives and be changed by it. God's Word has transformative power. And so in this passage, we we learn how to receive God's Word into our lives. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15. As I said, this has... Uh, meaning for our lives. This has application for us because nothing is more relevant than how we react to the teaching of Jesus. Nothing is more relevant than how we apply God's Word to our lives. If we apply God's Word to our lives, we have God's truth for how we are to live. And that makes a difference. It transforms our lives. Luke chapter 8 Verses 1 through 15, uh, starting in verse, the parable actually starts in verse 5, but I'm going to just read these first verses to set the context. After, the, after this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve uh, were with him. Okay, so here's Jesus, and he's, tra- he's going from one city to the next, and, and his primary thing is he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And that's what we have in parables. It is the good news of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is to have a relationship with God. It is to have a relationship in which he rules over our lives. The kingdom of God is anywhere where the king, Jesus, reigns. And so the kingdom of God is really to live with and for Jesus. That's what the kingdom of God is. And he's teaching about this. And this is what the parables are are about. The twelve were with him. That's the twelve disciples. And also some women who had been cured of evil diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons came out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So in other words, they're they're giving financially to the work of Jesus. And, uh, And it seems that this is done very voluntarily. God has changed their lives And so they desire to support Jesus and his disciples so that they can continue to carry out his work. The same thing happens in our lives all the time. When when God changes our lives, we we desire to see his work continue, and and it's a natural reaction to want to give to the ministry of the the church. 
And so those of us that have had our lives changed, we want to we wanna give financially so, that, so others can have their lives changed. And while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. And now here is the parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, and, grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, that's, that's the end of the parable. Uh, when he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears, let them hear. So in other words, if you desire to know the meaning, may God grant you understanding. His disciples then, desiring to know what it meant, asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. See, God is intention- Jesus is intentionally being secretive here. That's part of the, the mystery of the kingdom. These secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they, might, they may not see, though hearing they may, they may not understand. And then he goes on to tell them the meaning. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Okay, so just to unpack this, make mental note there, that the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are those who hear it. And when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root because they believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart, with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. That's my prayer for us today, that we would hear it, retain it, and persevere in it so that we might be able to bear the Lord fruit. So this is the parable. As you may have guessed, I love props, and so I've got a bucket of soil for every one of the soils. Okay, so we're just going to walk our way through this parable and, and uh, talk about its meaning, and, uh, and we'll talk about how it applies to our lives. The first soil here. Well, actually, it's not really a soil. The first thing he talks about in the parable is he talks about seed that, is, that falls along the path. And uh, so it's almost baseball season, so I got my sunflower seeds. Man, in about two months, I'll be going through these bags like a, week, a, a bag a week. Uh, good old sunflower seeds. Does anybody like the uh, sunflower seeds with, pe- with pepper in it? Oh, that's the best. Oh, Yeah. Uh, anybody like the uh, seed, the uh, sunflower seeds with the jalapeno ones? No, thank you. 
Just the pepper. That's the best. Okay, so uh, the, the, the sower is uh, the preacher. It is the one who is, who is spreading the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. You notice that the variable here has nothing to do with the seed. The seed is the same. The Word of God goes out to the, each soil the same. The, so, the sower uh, casts the seed uh, indiscriminately. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't think, okay, I'm not going to put seed here or I'm not going to put seed here because this is bad soil. The seed goes out everywhere. The only variable is where the seed falls. And so the soil represents our hearts or our lives. Will we receive the Word of God no matter how well it is presented? Because surely there are uh, farmers that probably plant straighter rows and, and, and the seed at, uh, different, uh, at different depths. and That does not matter to us. We're the soils. How will we receive the Word of God? And that is, you know, even a bad farmer can produce a good crop if the soil is well. And so here is the first soil. In this soil, I've got a bunch of, does anybody know what that is? Decomposed granite. That's what you make paths out of. This is actually what baseball fields are made out of. But uh, I got paths in my front yard, and uh, it's full of this decomposed granite. And uh, you, put it on the, you put it on the ground, and you begin to pack it, and you, and you, you uh, water it, and then it dries, and it happens. And pretty soon, it's as hard as concrete. I don't got any plants growing on my paths at home because it's hard as concrete. And the same thing if uh, seeds are scattered on the path, it falls on hearts and lives that will not produce anything. These are hearts and lives that are not open to the Word of God uh, coming and penetrating their hearts. And the parable says that the seed lays there on the hard soil for long enough until the birds come and eat it. The birds, the, uh, birds represent, Jesus tells us, he tells us the bird represents the devil. He says that w- uh, when the word of God is planted in our hearts and, uh, and we do not respond to it, and take it and hear it and applies to our lives, eventually it creates an open door for the devil to come and to, uh, take it, and to take that word of God out of our hearts and our lives. And that is what happens so many times in, in people's lives. The word of God will be presented and it's there and it rests upon their lives and upon their hearts. But over time they just simply say, I don't want that. I don't want that in my life, and it creates an open door for the devil to come and take the Word of God out of their hearts and out of their lives. And I've seen it happen many times. Even those that have grown up in the church, and they hear the Word of God, and they're taught it, and they receive it, and over time, they, just, they say they, ha- they want nothing to do with it. And it may not even be a conscious decision. They maybe say, I like that and I'll apply that. That sounds good to me. But that doesn't really fit with the way I want to uh, live. And so I'm not going to do that. And you know what? That is a very, very dangerous place to be. Because it opens up the door for the devil to come and to rob the Word of God out of your life. If you know what the Bible teaches and you simply willfully choose not to do it, 
You are, you are throwing seed on hard ground, and the Satan will come and eventually steal that away from you. In fact, of all the, uh, of all the soils here, Jesus makes very clear that this one, he says, that they may not believe and be saved. These individuals are not saved. They do not let the Word of God govern and uh, guide their lives. <coughs> And so we need, uh, and, and so as, as believers, if God says to give generously and to tithe and we choose not to do that, we're throwing God's word on hard ground and the devil can come and rob you, uh, rob the word of God out of your life. If you know God's word says don't sleep with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you willfully do that, you're opening up the door for the devil to come and to rip you out of God's family. If, uh, if you willfully gossip, if you, if you willfully uh, have unforgiveness in your heart. Now, notice all of these things. I'm not saying that we never mess up. Every Christian sins, but there's a difference between stumbling and falling into temptation and willfully saying, I don't want anything to do with that. To throw God's, uh, to the, what is being talked about in this part of the parable is to throw the seed on a heart that says, I don't care what God's word says. I know what it says. I choose not to do it. And it opens up a dangerous path for Satan to come and to uh, work in a person's life to pull them away from the Lord. And so the first, so the first soil here is the devil can steal God's word from your heart. Here's my application here, is to adopt this, this idea. If God's word says it, I will do it. That's a great way to approach God's word. If God's word says it, I will do it. It's unconditional obedience. And you know what? That's not just me being a Scrooge. That's, uh, that, that's me saying, that's the best plan for your life. Did you know that God's word is given for your good? Every one of his commandments is, to, is given to bless you, to lead to the best life possible. Believe me, God is not trying to rob from anyone in this room his goodness and his blessings. Satan would love to make you think he was, it's a trick as old as the Garden of Gesed, and surely God wouldn't say that you can't eat from the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He, mu he must not, uh, if you do, you'll know good and evil. He must be withholding something from you. No, Jesus is not withholding anything from you. He wants what is best for you. That's the first uh, soil. It is a, a seed thrown on the path. The second soil is... Uh, Seed that is thrown on rocky soil. In fact, uh, it's not just rocky soil. It's actually rocky. It's actually rocky soil with a little bit of black soil thrown on top. That's what uh, soil number two is. And uh, so that God's word falls on this soil. And by the way, we have a lot of this type of soil in Southern California. There's just a tiny thin layer of topsoil. And a whole bunch of rocks underneath. That's why when we get rain on the mountains, it'll turn green right away. 
But as soon as any heat comes, uh, it turns brown again because there's no depth to the roots. It's rocks underneath. And this is, what, this is where the seed falls in the second example. And Jesus says that the Word of God springs up quickly and even with joy. But, it, uh, but, it fall, but this person falls away be, uh, as soon as trials and difficulties come into their life because they have no depth. The Word of God is not deep into their lives. And so I'll call this bucket depthless. They're not deep. They're shallow in their, uh, in their relationship with the Lord. Okay, if you don't like the word depthless, I'm sorry, because I know that's not a word. But I want three Ds, okay? Uh, so depthless. Uh, there, there is a shallowness uh, to our Christian walk. There's an immaturity. And this is oftentimes uh, true in many Christians' lives as well. They don't let the, the truth of God penetrate the deep parts of their hearts and their lives. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, to even, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. So the word of God is able to go to the deep parts of our hearts. The, the parts buried down there are things like unforgiveness, things like uh, things like um, discrimination and things that get buried deep. God's Word has, has a way of getting into the deep parts of our hearts. But depthless faith does not let God's Word uh, penetrate, the, penetrate the difficulties of life. Jesus says here that uh, this, the rocky ground are the ones who receive the Word with joy and they hear it, but they have no root. And so they'll believe for a little while. And someone will come to church and to Bible study for a little while. But as soon as difficulties come into their life, they will fall away because there is no depth in their, in their uh, relationship with the Lord. So what's the solution here? Well, very obviously to me, the obvious solution is to get more depth. In other words, to get more of God's Word into our lives. And so we saturate ourselves with, with God's Word. Uh, one sermon once a month will not cause your faith to go deep. And uh, 10 minutes of the Bible reading a week will lead to a very shallow relationship with the Lord. To have depth in our relationship with God, we've got to get deep in, into, our, into our knowledge and our application of God's Word. And so the problem is not that we don't have opportunities. The problem is that we don't take op, uh, advantage of the opportunities that we have. Did you know that uh, right now today, in uh, 2020, in, Ameri in, West Covina, uh, in West Covina, California, we have more access to the Word of God than at any other time or any other place in the history of the world. We got more uh, translations of the Bible. You got more Christian radio. You got more uh, things online and sermons online and, and, uh, and uh, Bible study groups and, and uh, opportunities to just get inundated books all kinds of things. The problem with our depth is not that we don't have access to it. It's that we don't take advantage of it. 
We've got access all over the place. How much do we want it? Do we really want to go deep in our faith? Because if we want to go deep in our faith, we've got growth groups aplenty. We've got, we've got Bibles in the pews. Take it home. Read it. It's all over the place. It's, a, it's an issue of do we let the Word of God get deep into our lives so that we might be spiritually mature, that we might grow deep into our faith. So that's pot number two. Pot number three are these seeds that sprout up but are choked off by the thorns. And so these branches represent my thorns. And uh, so these, these uh, seeds are going to get sown into this pot and, uh, and they're going to get choked off by these thorns that are there. And uh, the thorns rob the, rob the moisture, the, thor- the thorns take away the ability for uh, these plants to grow up healthy and mature. And in the same way, in our Christian lives, there are distractions that come into our lives that keep us from going deep into God's Word. Jesus himself mentions three distractions. He says the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. And so how many times are we choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures? So that, the, so that God's Word begins to take second place in our lives. God's Word becomes secondary. In fact, I forget what I put. There, there we go. Uh, distractions can make God's Word secondary in your life. Now, none of these things that Jesus mentions are probably bad in them and of themselves. Do you know that you only worry about things that are actually worth worrying about? I mean, they're good things. You worry about your kids. You worry about your job. You worry about things that are important to you. In and of themselves, those, those things are probably good things. The, the idea that God has given us money and material possessions, that's a gift from God. The, God doesn't desire to rob us of all pleasure. He wants to provide pleasures. It's when those things begin to take us away from the Word of God that it is a problem. It's when, the, it's when the worries and the pursuit of pleasure and the pursuit of money begin to take us away from being able to do, to hear and to apply God's word into our lives. When God's words take, God word takes the back seat to these other things in our lives. And so that's where we need to be careful because it can happen. Family is a very good thing. But I have seen uh, some uh, family activities and kids' activities and kids' sports or whatever it be become a distraction from hearing the Word of God. Work is a good thing, obviously. It provides for us. It it gives us meaning and value in our lives. But uh, it can become a distraction if it takes us from doing the Word of God, from hearing and applying the Word of God in our lives. So all of these thorns... I just want to uh, challenge us, keep them in their proper place. Because in fact, if God's Word penetrates all of those things, then He can use them for the advancement of His kingdom. Remember, this is a kingdom parable. And then lastly, let me read the verse uh, first that represents the fourth soil. Uh, Verse 15, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart 
who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So the last soil is simply the black soil. It's the best soil. It's the soil in which a crop can grow and have all kinds of fruitfulness. Couldn't think of a D, sorry. Uh, Fruitfulness. And uh, fruitfulness comes from hearing, retaining, and persevering in God's Word. Last week, Darren uh, talked about, Pastor Darren talked about uh, fruitfulness in our lives. And he said, every life bears fruit, either good fruit or bad fruit. And that's true. Fruit is simply the actions that come out of our lives. They come from our character, from our heart. Those that are planting uh, seeds of uh, godly and noble character will have actions and attitudes and words and relationships that are godly and noble. And those that are doing the opposite will have the opposite uh, type of fruit in their lives. But we're talking about a, a godly fruitfulness that is advancing his kingdom. And so one of the best ways to do that is to by cultivating our heart by what's in God's word. This rich, top, black, deep uh, soil that, that uh, God's word can take root. Because it, uh, and when it does, it will have wonderful benefits in our lives. It will produce all kinds of fruit. So we hear it and we retain it. James 1, 23 through 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Can we read that part together? Do what it says. Oh, shucks, I don't have this on the screen, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay here, there's the four words, right? You ready? Uh, help me out here. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So James here has this analogy. If you look in the mirror very quickly and you think, okay, yeah, it looks good, and head off your way, and then someone stops you, hey, draw a picture of yourself. Well, I don't really remember what I look like. How many of you could draw a portrait of yourself right now? I actually kind of don't think I could draw a very good portrait of myself. To do that, I would have to sit there and look intently into the mirror. Be very careful. Oh, yeah, my nose goes like that. And my eyes. Now, it kinda, now I'm thankful that my left eye is not swollen over, so I'll draw that on there. And we have to look very intently for it to sink into our hearts and our minds so that we can put it down on paper. And God's Word is like that. A quick cursory reading of it will not affect the way that we live our lives. But to sit there and to engage with it and to memorize it and to meditate on it. That's why it's so helpful to talk about God's Word with someone else. Because what you talk about, you remember and you apply to your life. And so we take it and we, and we think about it until it sinks down deep within us. And then James says, he will be blessed in what he does. In other words, if we take God's word into our lives, it will begin to bear fruit that is a blessing to us. 
The fruit of the Spirit is, if you know this, say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Who does not want to live as a person of love and of joy and of peace and of patience? These are blessings that God's Word would take root into our heart and transform us from the inside out so that we can have enjoyable lives. Because believe me, the life of love is way better than the life of hate. And the life of joy is way better than the life of anxiety or anger or whatever the opposite of joy is. And so God has given us these blessings. Now, fruitfulness, for it to take place, the intently looking into the, uh, into the law of the Lord so that it takes root into our hearts, it takes time. Crops don't produce overnight. I grew up on a farm, as many of you know, and... Uh, Every Sunday afternoon, we would literally take a Sunday afternoon drive. We'd get into the car and we'd drive down these uh, old country roads and uh, we'd drive past every one of my dad's fields. We're like, Dad, it hasn't changed that much from last week. But uh, we'd sit there and we'd look at them and, uh, and Dad would get excited. As soon as the, uh, uh, the, the, the little plant popped its head through the soil, oh, I think I can see the the rose coming into being. And then when, the, when, the, uh, when it got closer to uh, fall and the, the crops are tall and big and, and uh, it looks good, but you know what? You never rejoice until the corn or the soybeans or whatever the crop is, is in the combine because it can be taken at any moment. You know what? Uh, God's Word, it takes a long time to grow into our lives. And the farmer knows that any time a flood can come and it can destroy those little buds of a plant or a hailstorm can come and destroy a, a large a field that is uh, big and, and the stocks are full of a lot of grain. But until the fruit is in the bin, then you can rejoice. And until God's word takes up root, until we actually do it, that's when we can rejoice. It's not enough just to hear it in one ear and out the other but not to affect the way we are, our lives when we begin to love one another better. We begin to love the Lord and we begin to receive Him into our lives when it, has, uh, it takes patience and perseverance, but it produces blessing. I have a book in my uh, office called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's what I'm talking about here. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. James 1.25 says, They will be blessed in what they do. By hearing and doing God's word, you will be blessed. So let me uh, wrap this up real quick by giving us a couple application questions. Whoops. Um, these are my application questions for today. I want to write them on here because I want you to I want it to sink into your brain and apply it to your uh, apply it to your life. It's really just one two part question, and uh, this is the this is the question. I can get the cap off my word. Um, how will you, and I encourage you to discuss this with someone this week, how will you, two things, and this is, there is application for every one of us in this room. Number one, how will you take in 
God's Word, more of God's Word, and how will you apply? I recognize this is like super simple, super basic, but as I said, very, very relevant. How will you take in and apply more of God's Word? into your life? That is the question. And I encourage you to take it very seriously because there is no uh, greater benefit than to being able to take it in by reading it, by meditating on it, by, uh, by memorizing it, and then by applying it to our lives so it might transform us from the inside out. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we've had an opportunity just to look at your word and to, and to wrestle with what is the word of God in our lives. God, I, I recognize even in a sermon like this that uh, there, there's, a, there's a danger of it going in one ear and out the other. I recognize that we could easily just even become distracted right now in the moment and, uh, and, not, be, and not take the time to think about how it applies to our lives. Just what we preached on, it, it, it's so relevant, just even how we respond to your word today, right now in this moment. But God, I pray that you would help us to take that mantra into our heart, whatever your word says, we will do. And God, I would pray that you would help us to take it into our lives more and more and apply it to our lives more and more because we recognize that it, it produces fruitfulness for the benefit of others, but also for our own good because it transforms our heart. Your word has transformative power, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. As we continue to think on uh, the words that are brought by Pastor Coyle,